Hey team, welcome to episode 63 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. In this episode, we are going to talk to Dr. Gabriel Duncan. He is a practice owner and an entrepreneur, and just like many of you listening, was once in dental school determining what his next move would be. You know, here at Transition Talk, we're advocates of ownership, and if given a choice, we'll always lean towards an acquisition for all the reasons you've probably heard us spout. But we are always so pumped when we get to talk to someone who, out of necessity or just pure drive, did a startup and is thriving, especially in the aftermath of COVID. So we're super pumped to have just that. Dr. Duncan owns a practice in North Carolina, and today we're going to ask him about his experience and his opportunity to be an owner of a startup. So, Gabe, welcome to Transition Talk. Thank you, Christy. It's good to be here. I'm so glad. So before we get going, I was doing a little sleuthing this morning, and it made my heart happy. You are a self-described education junkie on your website, which speaks to my data heart. And you decided to be a dentist based on an emergency when you were 13, but before that, we're scared. So I'm like very interested in this story and that change of heart as a 13 year old, which is very hard to do. I know. Yeah. Well, that was that might not have clinched it in and of itself. That was one piece of the puzzle that led me to dentistry. I, so my first dental visit that I remember was when I was six, and that was for a filling on a baby tooth. You know, and I was petrified. So I, I just remember that whole memory very vividly. The dentist himself was awesome, you know, but it was just a, it was a very vivid memory for me. I was very scared, but it went okay. Later, yeah, yeah. Later, you know, when I was 13 years old, I was at a friend's house. It was in the summertime. I think it was between seventh and eighth grade. And we were walking up some stairs out of his basement and he had a hammer in his hand. And for some reason, he turned around and swung the hammer and the hammer ended up in my face and broken tooth number nine here on the front. And that was the emergency trip to the dentist. And that's when I started to think, hey, dentists are pretty cool because they fixed the problem really fast. You know, that night I was out roller skating with with friends and everything. But, you know, that was it was an interesting, painful, but kind of neat experience at the same time. So that was one of the things that kind of stuck in my mind later on as an adult when I decided to try to pursue this thing of being a dentist, which was a second career, by the way. It wasn't it wasn't something I just glided right into. It was a process just getting into school and everything. So, oh. yeah. Well, I mean, we're excited to talk with you today and learn all about that. So so tell us a little bit more about yourself. And, and for those of you listening, this is a special episode because Charles is going to lead this interview and I could not be more happy. So I will, you won't hear my voice a lot today. You're going to hear Mr. Loretto, which by the way, hello, Mr. Loretto. Yes. Hello, gang. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm super pumped about this. You know, I am. So I, I'll let you, I'll let you do your work and then I'll, I'll jump in and do mine. Chris, you're doing great. All right. Well, Gabe, let's talk about, um, I think first and foremost, I just want our listeners to hear about you. And when did you graduate dental school? Give me us a little bit about your family. You already told us a little bit about, you know, wanting to be a dentist and kind of how you kind of fell into this, but let's give everyone a little bit of color and kind of how we landed where we are today. And then we can kind of dive into the topic and the startup and kind of how all that kind of fell into place. So graduated from dental school in 2012, you know, started in 2008 after applying for about four years trying to get in. So just the process of getting in was a journey. And then graduating in 2012, I didn't really have a huge desire to own an office right then. It wasn't really at top of mind. My my biggest priority at that time was just to get out and start working, you know, because I had what I perceived to be 
astronomical student debt. Nowadays, it doesn't really seem like much when I hear about some of the student debt people have, but you know, $150,000 to $200,000 worth of student loan debt, to me now, it doesn't seem like as much when I hear half a million, sometimes a million in debt. But I uh, just got to work basically as an associate. And I went through several associateships in different places, in different parts of the state, some of them fee-for-service, some of them insurance-based practices. I worked with a small DSO for a time and, and ran that office for a little while. And then I did some temp work and sort of traveling dentistry throughout the state and did a lot of surgery and things like that in sort of more of the underserved areas. It wasn't until later on that I decided to own an office. I'm curious there, Gabe. So, so you, you go down this road, you're this driver. You're like, I got to be a dentist. I'm going to work really hard and figure this out. You, then you get out, you're driven to get rid of this dental school that, I mean, this is such a relatable conversation to so many people. And what I absolutely just like pumped about this is I love great stories I, because I think that this podcast is certainly a tool for many people to take and to be educated and, and to be motivated and, and to drive to do something. And so we had our conversation. I was like, dude, you are killing it. I'm like so proud of you. I was just like, I might have a tear come out of my eye. You know, it's like, I'm just like, you know, this is such, such a great, great story. So, so you work for these people, you work for these, these, this corporate environment, you maybe work for these private practices. You were slow. You were busy. You had to treat kids. You had to treat adults. You had to deal with this insurance. You had to deal with people you didn't like. You know, so how many different positions did you have before this journey and the success story of, hey, I'm going to start a practice from scratch, which I can't wait for our listeners to hear what you're doing because it just mind blowing. But how many different jobs did you have in the, in the dental world before you actually pull the trigger on this startup? Four. There were four associateships. The, the first one was from 2012 to uh, December of 2014. It was I was in a small fee-for-service office where I lived. And then from basically most of 2015, I worked in that small DSO I mentioned and, and ran that office. And then late 2015 to 2016, and this was around the time that I found out we were going to have our daughter, I was driving all over the state of North Carolina mostly insurance or Medicaid type offices where they required, you know, surgery, things like that, oral surgery, um, extractions. I did a ton of extractions during that time. I got a lot of oral surgery experience, which now that I look back on it has been very helpful. And then in 2016, kind of out of necessity because I kind of needed to settle down in town and work because my daughter was coming. I got a job as an associate at a very busy group practice, five minutes from home. And it was one of those practices that was just, it was a machine and it was a crucible for me. I had to learn a lot of new skills and, and really get good and fast and efficient. And this is perfect segue because this is one of my questions I had for you, which I always have on an interview. Production collections is on a 60,000 restorative, 70, 80. Like how, what was the busiest month that you ever had when someone's buying a business or in this case, starting, starting a business is, do you remember your busiest month as far as a total? It was in the, I think it was in the eighties or something like, I don't remember exactly. It was all happening so fast. Um, this is going to sound strange. I didn't really track it that much in my head. I was just, 
I knew I was doing well, you know, but I think maybe in the eighties or something like that, look, that wasn't even a big deal either. Cause I, I my, one of my closest friends who I worked with, he, he did one thirty just by himself in a month. Like, so I wasn't top dog or anything like that. I was just, let me, let me remind the, the listeners, and here's how the NDP, Loretto, Cane Waters kind of minds things. So remember, if you can do 80 on a restorative, that means that you're checking about 40 in hygiene. So that means you're doing 120 in that month, 120 times 12, basically running a $1.5 million practice when you work for them. And your buddy who was doing 130, you know, had another 30, 35, 40,000 of hygiene. It's almost like a $2 million run. Yeah. So- that is it's incredible, you know, and that's I love busyness. So when we go down these roads uh, of working for somebody else, we just want to be busy. I want busyness. I want to create. Yes, let's do some extraction. Yes, let's do some recounts. Yes, let's work for this person and get some really good seed and really push yourself because that, you know, kind of like at Christie's, she's a little bit of a junkie on, on that front. She she's so terrified about not having the answer to everything. So she's constantly learning, you know, and that's what a dentist is doing the same way is they want to be able to constantly learn. So, dude, I that that just makes me so excited. So so we've got this this the, the, the several years of experience in her belt. We definitely got the clinical thing. I want to know, like, OK, so what was that like? I'm going to own. You started looking at some driving by, like, that might be a good place, to, you know, to, to open an office. Yeah. Uh, I hired, a, yeah. you know, a broker or I just started calling a number. Like, I want to know about the moment you said, I'm going to do this essentially like this is the place. Tell me about how that that happened, how you you drove by or somebody called and told you. And then I want to go in also just just quickly to kind of what that timeline was. So at this point, then I pull the trigger, we got the lease, and then I want to kind of go down that road to paint the picture of how long it took for this project. Well, it, it was a process of deciding. I, I do remember when I was working, I would drive by a place and think, oh, that would be a good place to have an office or something like that. I didn't really know. But I don't know. I, I started, I was working really hard at this office and doing very, very well. One thing that I did notice is I was getting hammered on taxes. I was getting killed on taxes because you can't really write anything off. It's hard to write stuff off as an employee. So I noticed that. There wasn't a whole lot I could do about it right then. It was just part of the deal. I was taking a lot of CE and I, I just started to realize that I was getting good at the dentistry part. I was getting a lot of experience and getting new skills. And and it just kind of finally made sense that, you know, I should, if I'm going to do this and make a lot of money for another office, I might as well just be the owner of the office at the same time, you know? So I kind of made that decision based on just, it made sense then. It wasn't really even a burning desire to be an owner. It just made sense in a way. And then I, the desire came later. I, I realized how cool it would be to have my own place. The process of doing that was long. This is 2017 that we're talking. And I did not know anything about starting an office and so I just started doing research online about how to do that. And I did have to do a demographic study to figure out where I was going to be because I didn't want to just say, here I am, here's where I'm going to practice because that, I didn't think that would be smart at all. Have you heard of the company Dentographics? We definitely promote Dentographics for sure. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. I, I did an inquiry with them. 
I did get a consultant to help me out to, to help kind of give me some knowledge about how to build out an office and how that all works and the permits and all the stuff that you have to have legally to get a business structure going for that. And, um, and off I went. So it took me longer than I think it takes most people because I was working at the same time and just kind of hammering away at it at night. Yeah. But um, the building that I'm in right now, it was it's a new building. It was constructed. They started construction on it in mid 2018. And the build out for my office inside the building, which is leased, the construction started in June of 2019 and was completed in early October of the same year. Yeah. And that's pretty standard. Five months from a time you pull the trigger as far as the build out is finished. OK. And so couple of things I want to hit on that I thought were part of your inspiration is taxes. Okay. So as a business owner, you would new business owner, you get to play the tax game. You started this practice right in the middle of COVID. You had some relief with the federal government's kicking in with maybe some, some PPP, you know, kind of rounds one and two, some HSS. I mean, you just kind of started the game. So at least you've got some relief. That's part of being a business owner. I loved again, the fact of repeat again, C-E-C-E. So you're able to do it kind of a C-E junkie. A lot of times, I'm not sure if I want to be an owner, something clicks. You know, it just, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been on a call or met people. So it just, it finally hit me, it clicked. And that's just outside influence. Sometimes it's internal, but you know, you, you can see that you're making money for more people. Absolutely. This is why you own a business, you know, and I love that you're a processor, Gabe. I'm telling you, you we're watching each other on the podcast right now, so I can see you. I see how your brain operates. You're very much a processor, which I love that. Uh, you're slow before you speak because your brain is like, you process. It, it's perfect for a dentist because they think about the things. Me, I don't process. I just start open my mouth and start talking. You know? <laughs> so we all have our kind of a different personalities and, and different, different wiring. And you're thinking this whole thing through. And so you're doing your own research. You've got demographics and you, you figure it out. And you mentioned consultant. Did you hire like a dental specific consultant that helps them start? Yeah. Who, who did you use? I'll tell you the story. I This is going to sound crazy. I just Google, how do you start a dental office? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. So I, I Google, how do you open a dental office? And, and uh, lo and behold, there's a site, how to open a dental office. Gotcha. Uh, yes, there and is. And so I, I met Jamie Amos who runs that company, okay. Ideal Practices. And I was very hesitant to get in at first, but I'm the kind of guy who likes to meet in person, the, the person I'm doing business with. And so I tracked him down in Jamaica when we were, um, I found out he was going to be at a conference. And yes. and so I went to that conference. And one of the reasons I went was to meet him in person and just talk with him. And so I ended up hiring him and his company to help me just with the knowledge to understand how to do this thing. Because I literally know nothing about the business side of this. I know a lot of dentistry. So I, I presume helped you with the design, helped you with, you know, this is the number of operatories you're going to put in place right now. Here's the marketing campaign. Here's the website. So really just a playbook of exactly how it's going to happen, kind of start to finish phone consulting, face-to-face consulting, maybe helping in hiring. Is that all accurate? Correct. They helped it you know, top down everything, every aspect of it. They gave advice on and, and sort of counseled me on all of that from hiring attorneys to setting up the business structure, you know, all of that. I knew nothing about and they gave me a lot of education on that. I'm thankful to them for it. So that's what I did. I, I know more about it now. I don't for them for sure. I'm so thankful that you came across them and they've done a good job. 
And I know we don't have to go over their fees because that's maybe inappropriate, but it's not cheap, right? We, we want to say that, that those fees are not cheap. This is, I'm not going to speak and because I hate doing that when someone talks about fees, but you know, guys, this is probably a, a 25, a 30, $35,000 type of commitment that you're making for somebody to guide you through that process. But I mean, when you hear just the guidance and some of these numbers that this young man is hitting, it is absolutely just, I mean, so inspirational. But again, God, do your homework. You got to surround. I mean, how many times have I said, surround yourself with the right team. This particular team that uh, Jamie's company has specializes in just those startups. So I like that. I always like that experience as someone who's done this just over and over again. So I presume you probably borrowed the traditional startup amount, kind of that in, in the range on the low side, 425 to kind of 550 number. What was what was the number you ended up borrowing? Let's see. I, I, I mean, with equipment and everything like that, it was quite a bit more than that. It's it's closer to like 700 now uh, with all the stuff that I have with the with the cone beam and, and yeah. um, the equipment I selected. It's considerably more. You can do it for less, for sure. It's doable. Banks are typically lending about five fifty for for most of startups. So did, was that your limit? Did you put some own cat your own capital into the startup as well? I did a little bit of my own, just a bit. I loaned myself some money to help with uh, expenses and things like that. But you know, I took out an additional loan for equipment and things like that. Okay, you know, just to get it done. You know, sure. And you had you mentioned earlier you were fortunate to just have less on the dental school debt. You know, some of that one fifty two hundred than you in these working years did a pretty good job of kind of tackling that and knocking some of that out, obviously. And then from a balance standpoint, we're also able to save and have that capital for a project like this, or if you decided to buy a practice. So super important guys is listening, you know, managing debt, but also building cash because that way you buy this practice, you do want a CT machine. You do want the ability because you have maybe some implant training or you know, that's just your patient of care you want, but the loan from the bank doesn't give you that amount. That capital is what really can help and springboard for you to be able to make those decisions without too much stress. So that, that's awesome. All right. Other things I wanted to make sure I hit on. So how many different just locations did you look at? I mean, I know Dentographics kind of helped pinpoint, but were you all over the map, like 15 miles this way, 10 miles this way? What was that the main thing that Dentographics, your consultant, yourself said that this site was the site. When I nailed down that I wanted to stay in Wake County, which is where I live and, and work, I knew Wake County is extremely saturated with dentists. We have so many dentists. I think it's close to a thousand dentists in our county or specialists included in that. So there's a ton. So I was looking for little pockets of the county that you know needed a dentist or could use a dentist. Um, so I was looking for growth areas. And I was looking at dentist to population ratio. And I was looking for as close to, you know, one dentist per 2,000 patients or so, you know, as I could get. The more, the better. But I did find the area in Holly Springs that was just barely, barely in spec for that. And I found a place and they just, you know, my broker, the person who was helping me find an office space, just so happened that they were building a new place in downtown and they were looking for tenants and, and it, everything just kind of kind of came together at the same moment. And that's how it ended up where I am now. But at first it was, you know, demographics and sort of narrowing down because, you know, with demographics, you have the whole country as an option, right? You can decide which part of the country you want to be. But I had to narrow it down a little bit myself first and then they helped me dial that in. 
Do you remember that that population ratio? Was it was it around that two thousand number? Just below that. Yeah, it was it was around okay. uh, eighteen or nineteen hundred, I think, at the time. Okay, and that was close enough for me. And I'll typically, I've said in lectures, the ideal situation: try to find that three thousand. You know, three thousand mm-hmm. to, to one is, is oh, better. that's way better. Yeah, for you're sure. like wow. But the other thing I want people to also consider when you look at these dentographic demographic type reports is. It's not always just the dentist for population. You have to know that exact competition. Is this a three day a week older guy that's not accepting new patients that's skewing these numbers? You know, if there's two or three guys like that and they're not accepting new patients or it's just, you know, they're just not really drivers. You have to take that out and kind of look at that as an opportunity. So if you're in that 15, 1800 to one, it's like, oh, the report, the paper, the numbers, the data is telling me this. You got to dig a little deeper, and there are some really good opportunities. Even when the data says it's not going to work. Last thing I would say from a motivation standpoint is, if you want to be there, come on, just mark and drive and be something, be something different. So, okay, cool. So I know we use that. I know we use. Uh, so on the what distributor did you use? Who who'd you pick to deliver all the equipment? Henry Shine. In your shot. Okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they supply on the architecture side or was that through the consultant? Let's see. The architecture was done by a builder, a you know, local builder that focuses on dental and medical offices. Certainly Shine can do that. They, they're really good at it. Awesome. I had a local builder build the place out in cooperation with Henry Shine. So we're all kind of working in cahoots to make it happen. Awesome. So besides hiring this consultant to kind of guide the project, you take any courses? I went to this course or that course on just starting a practice. Did you take any courses? I did not. I didn't attend any courses. That's okay. Hey. Yeah. Other than the the one, the consulting, which was kind of like a course in a way, but it wasn't an actual course. I didn't do that. I think it's a good idea too, but sure. it just didn't work out that way in my particular case. Okay. How about the size? What size uh, square footage are we talking about for this facility? This office is about 2,500 square feet. Perfect. We've got two treatment rooms running right now. One basically is hygiene. The other one is me. And um, we have six rooms total and just they're not equipped yet. We're not at capacity yet on the two that we have. And so we're just kind of, you know, seeing what we can do with two. And then as I need to, you know, build out the others, you know, maybe one at a time. I don't know, but yeah. Well, for the listener, stay tuned. You will not believe the numbers this guy is going to share based on two ops. I, your financial advisor now will tell you, it's okay to put the third op in. You have my blessing. Let's expand. So uh, no, no problem. So I think I love the size. Six ops is beautiful. You can do so much dentistry out of six operatories. It allows room for an associate. It allows room for a partnership. It allows room to really blow that up to where we can expand our hygiene and potentially you know, our next move is probably going to be building a really nice facility, you know, just for our long term. So, okay, perfect. So I like that kind of 2,200 square foot space. You know, if we can get that fifth op in, that's so important. Uh, just that allows our run rate because typically these are 10 year leases. And I just, I'm betting on you, the owner, that we're going to need that fifth op with full hygiene and potentially associate you might have you know, a specialist, you know, coming in and doing some certain procedures. So, okay. Awesome. Quick uh, question. You mentioned CE. What would you tell our listeners? One, two, three CE courses. Like I did all this fear, did all this, like what were some of those things that was like game changer for you? 
on the CE side? When I started at the, the practice that led up to this office, I took my first real hands-on implant course. And that's how I learned implants. That was in 2016. I mean, I knew implants before that, but I hadn't been actually doing the procedure. So that was like a turning point in the career for me because now I had this whole new skill set. That was one of them. And then the other was getting involved with SPEAR education. I'm still very heavily involved with them. And I've taken a lot of their courses. And CDOCs was another, uh, you know, because I, I got into using the CEREC a lot at my last office. I loved it. I hated it at first. Sure. <laughs> For me, it was a learning curve. And, and my assistant, we had a learning curve. And I gave up on it once. And then I came back to it. And that's when we got it. But uh, that was a big one, too. So so learning the extra skills and then taking the CE courses, I would say implants, SPEAR, CDOCs were, were huge. Which implant courses did you take that you were happy with? The implant courses? Yes. The M1. The first one, I, I took uh, Todd Ingalls' course. Oh, yeah. I know Todd. He's a client of ours. He's awesome. Great first course to take. And that just kind of got me rolling. That got me started. I will say this. I should mention this, too. A year before that implant course, I had taken a socket grafting course. And I recommend anybody who wants to get into implants to get into surgery, get really good at extractions, get really good at grafting before you start placing implants. I think that's such a good knowledge base to have to prepare you for placing good implants. You can certainly do it the other way, but I just like the sequence of the basics first. And that really helped a lot. Uh, and then I started placing implants after that. And that was, that was really nice. Well, then the free, the free plug that Sea uh, Docs and, and, and Ingles and Spears, you're welcome. Hey, okay. yeah, well, you're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. It's a lot of good content. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. I can't thank you enough for like sharing that because it's so, I tell people all the time, it's like you got to get your clinical skills up and then everything else is so much easier. It makes that last 25 years of dentistry just fun and you could be a mentor to others and you just get better at it. Okay. Awesome. Let's move into the type of just patients that you are seeing, you know, right now. So when you open a practice, you got this story where like nobody's coming in. There's three faucets you can turn on. There's the Medicaid faucet that's flooding. There's the PPO that's coming out, you know, full. And then there's the fee-for-service patient that just you can't really find. So explain just your marketing to these patients and then approximately what is the flow that you have right now between all fee-for-service and insurance practice? Yeah. So the marketing piece was a challenge because, you know, any new startup is working on a budget. And marketing is, if you hire a marketing company, you know, you've got some expense there. So I had to try to figure out some creative ways to market. I mean, I'll tell you, I've tried everything, you know, just to see what works. And we do a lot of Facebook and Instagram stuff. You know, we post a lot on there and we try to just get our names out there. I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound like old fashioned, but I, starting out, I didn't know what to do. So I just basically went door to door. like physically door to door to businesses mainly not, I didn't go to people's houses or anything, but that would have been weird. I would get door to door businesses and say, Hey, you know, I'm the new dental office here up, up the street and we're accepting new patients. So if you know of anybody who needs a dentist, you know, I'm a dentist and love to have you. It's so cool, man. I- yeah, that's about it. And that was the first start, you know, just to kind of go meet people. And then also, you know, we focus on prevention in, in the office. We're a little bit more holistically minded in, in the way we approach treatment. So I would go to other doctors in the community and say hello to them and just talk with them. And just I actually, I would uh, ask for advice too, just 
because gotcha. I just wanted to know, you know, what I could do to, to do better, you know, with my business and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, just talking to people and uh, Facebook and Instagram and boosting posts and things like that. And that's mainly it. And then word of mouth too, you know, just you treat one patient really well and they like the experience, they'll tell their friends, you know. Absolutely. Our young listeners are so nervous about that. They're going to take over a business this and like, how is it going to work? And are they going to like them? They're younger. I mean, oh my God, it, it's, if you take care of people, there's a line out the door. You know, it, there's just, that's just how it works. You just always do what's right in business. Give people the money back if they're not happy. Treat your, treat your team right. Um, so just high ethical, do whatever. I know it sounds so silly and so easy, but I mean, it's always talk about Chick-fil-A. There's a reason there's a line around the door. It's not necessarily because it's the best chicken sandwich. It's, it's just service. It's just it's a conversation, you know, they're on Facebook and Instagram, you know, with just their silly posts that the other people make fun of them, but almost in a great marketing way. So dollar wise, as you put money towards Facebook and money towards, you know, mm -hmm. an Instagram or a boost or something like that. And, and even, did you do any direct mail? I have not done direct mail yet. I've thought about it. Okay. Um, I, I get mailers from other dental offices in my mailbox. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, so I wonder, I wonder if I should be doing this. I haven't done it yet. And um, it's kind of in the back of my mind if, if I should or not. But, yeah. Yeah. What would you say the most expensive dollar amount that you spent maybe in a month, just from a marketing perspective, just from, is it $10,000 that you spent in a month? Is it 5,000, 2,000, 1,000? How much do you think you've spent just on a marketing perspective a month? Lately, not that much, maybe okay. less than a thousand. Okay. Probably the most I spent in one month on marketing was maybe 2000. Well, that would have been early on just as we were getting ramped up. You know, it, it's just, it's so hard to, for me to even get my head wrapped around that you pick the right place and you're not spending much on marketing with this number, this number of new patients. So, okay. This is the part that is going to blow the listener away. Okay. And so, you opened right in the middle of COVID, all right? So you opened October of 19, all right? Yeah, uh, October 30th was the first patient I saw in this office. Okay, so we go a couple of months. It's like, oh my God, you know, maybe what was your first month of new patients? So five, seven, like how many new patients did you get maybe your first month? Oh, it was horrible. Um, it was maybe... Well, October 30th, nobody. It was like three pages. Right, right, okay. So November. And then yeah. November, it was a handful, maybe five or six. Right. We made no money. We were losing right. money. Right. Honey, what have I done? Yeah. Let's just let's yeah. file bankruptcy right now. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to work. Uh, I'm going to go out back and, and just, you know, shoot myself. I can't believe yeah. I did this. What am I doing? Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty rough. I mean, it was, you know, uh, obviously uh, not paying myself anything. It was just, you know. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah, December 2019 was maybe 5,000 for that month, you know, and just maybe a handful of a few patients there. Right. January, it got a little better. January of 2020. February was better. March was looking really good for us. I thought we were going to break even. Right. And then, of course, by March 20th, we the lights were off. We were shut down. We'd gone dark. And at that point, I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to be out of business, probably. Right. This is going to oh, yeah. do what it was in. I thought I was going out of business. You know, I, yeah. you know look, you got to yeah. think about my business. I mean, I've got 2,500 yeah. people that write us a check every month, and they're out of business, too. So they're going to stop writing me a check. Christy's you know, new owner was a transaction business, buying and selling businesses. Who the hell is going to use NDP? So, I mean, come on. We were all pretty scared. Uh, so, uh, but it, it, 
what's great is we see how resilient we are as people and as business owners that, you know, the people that are prepared, the people that, you know, can stay in front and make patients feel safe or make clients feel safe, that this is all going to work out. We're going to persevere. So but definitely that was my kind of learning lesson through this uh, COVID experience. All right. So we're getting towards the end. I got to get to the, oh my God, this is why we got Gabe on story. So we're contemplating bankruptcy. We're just, oh my God, this is what a bad decision. We have no income for several months. We open the doors back up. Now we're in probably, you know, July, 2020, we start to see patients. We get on a conversation, right? So let, let's tell that story. So you call me up and you're like, hey, I just started this practice. And you're like, hey, I want to hire Kane Waters. And then I graciously say, I don't know that you can afford us, right? So that was kind of a hard, it was like, I heard all these great things about you. I really want to hire. I'm like, Gabe, I love you. You kind of need to get this business, you know, further along. And so I'm like, you kind of hit, get a number, buddy. Get, get me like a 60 number, you know, give me something and call me back. And so uh, then we had this conversation towards the end of the year. And so let's fast forward. Let's go all the way towards kind of like the, the July, August, September numbers. I want to hear new patient numbers, what you started to hit, and then uh, some of those collection numbers, like approximately this. Show our listeners that trend. Like this is possible. Like the trajectory kind of how, how that yeah, went? Yeah, just just roughly. We did about 20. We did about 30. We had these, these new patients started to come in. What did that look like towards the end of last year? Yeah, and, and it, I'll say this too. It's it's never a straight line graph. It's up and down and up and down, but you're, the overall trend is should be going in the upward direction. Yes. So basically, June, mid-June, I opened back up and nothing really much happened in June. That was just, we're kind of getting organized. July of 2020, I hired my office manager and that one move right there was probably the best thing I could have ever done. Like she has been awesome for me in, in this office and she's, she's brilliant. And she and I used to work together at my last office. So we knew each other for a long time, for years. So that right there helped a ton. And she's, she's been awesome. We did maybe, I think 20 or so in July. And then in August, it's up, you know, 30 or so. And then September, they call it September, September, because, it, you know, typically that's a down month and it was. And so we were down a little bit. And then October, we're up into the forties. And, and I think we finished the holidays of 2020 in, in like the, the high thirties or low forties or something like that I, in that neighborhood. January was better. February was better. We hit a new sort of level between April and May of this year. And that's where we kind of jumped into a new, sort of in a different stratosphere, I, su I suppose. We were getting up into the 80 and 90 range. Yep. This is when you call yeah, me. that's when I called you back, yeah. <laughs> I, I hung up on you in October and said, I can't help you, Gabe. Call me back. And you did. Yeah, I remembered exactly what you said last year. I, and you, you said, hey, call me when you've got this going on. And, and so I just waited until I had that going on and I called you. We did this interview as I do with other clients just to see if it's a fit for Kane Waters. And sometimes I help people with buying a business. Sometimes I help them with tax planning and pension, you know, all the advice that Kane Waters gives. And it was such a great story. I mean, so if we get to the, you know, some of the most recent numbers, I mean, Gabe, I'm going to brag on you a little bit, but you know, this young man is now working out of two ops with his team. He built, surrounded himself with all the right people. He's a driver. Anybody who's knocking on doors is literally going to be successful in life. He's just that guy. He's not spending much on marketing, but still he's got 60, 70, he's as much as 80 new patients a month. 
And so if you remember from the podcast I had on the start, which I'm kind of hesitant about doing a startup, it's all about new patient flow. So if you can drive new patients, new patients equal this type of revenue that we're hitting. So you're hitting 60, 70, 80. Now I've got a trajectory that I can see for dang sure that this guy is going to be running a million dollar practice maybe this year, for sure next year. When you make a million dollars in this type of setup, you're going to get killed with taxes. And so now as a business owner, we can really start to tax plan. And so we had this conversation back again. I started looking at okay, your corporate structure. I started looking at salary, started looking at tax planning, depreciation strategies, setting up 401k and profit sharing plan. And so we had that, you know, conversation. So he just just engaged to come in and do his consult. And I was like, do me a favor, buddy. Let's do this interview on the NDP side so that we can take your story, share it, kind of promote it and really encourage young people that this is possible. You know, I would say that I love your just excitement, enthusiasm about certain things. I, I You know, I wrote down like even hiring an office manager, somebody, you know, and trust that can help and see your vision and make sure that they're hiring the right people and answering the phone the right way and tracking marketing, all the things that we're going to be, I would encourage people, you know, to do. And then that's where the Kane Waters relationship now jumps in because we can even be a CFO and be working with her to implement some of the strategies. So it's just a wonderful story, man. I really, really, I can't thank you enough just for, for being on this and doing this. Uh, I know you're busy uh, with just wife and family and new office, but again, just, Congratulations on what a, a wonderful startup, you know, certainly get to get a chance to see you when you come in for your consult. But I'm thankful we were able to connect and thankful for just your hard work and dedication to being so successful in dentistry and hope you can motivate some people just from people listening to this. So, Christy, thanks for setting all this up with Scottcast and, and getting Gabe all set up and teeing it up as as usual I come in kind of last minute and say, okay, what are we doing? Okay, great. Let's get Gabe on. Well, it was a nice change of pace, sir, listening to you guys chat today. I think this would be a great way to wrap us up. And so I want to ask one final question. Like Charles said, we have people listening at all walks of life and all points in their in their journey. If you had to kind of leave us with kind of one, you know, something for someone's listening who's like thinking about doing this, what would your kind of wrap up advice, right? If you had a little elevator pitch on what to tell them, like, what would you tell someone? If you really want to do it, there's never going to be a perfect time to do it. And a lot of people are are waiting for that perfect opportunity. It's never going to come. If you want to do it, you just got to get into it and do it. And it's just going to be hard no matter when you do it. So you just buckle down and get after it. That's what I would say. And then the other thing is when you are in it and when you're running this thing, who you hire is probably one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Dude, I could have wrote that for you. I mean, that was amazing. I was smiling when you delivered that because I, I I 100% agree with that. There's yeah. never a right time. It never makes sense. Uh, and I do agree that hiring somebody, I'm pointing at Christy now, you know, hiring somebody and sharing a vision and taking them with you is critical. It's just absolutely critical. Every leader, every CEO, all top leaders that you'll ever see said pretty much the same thing, you know, but one thing to say it, another thing to actually do it. So what a, yeah, what a great finish. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We have had so much fun. Hope you have too. Thank you. Thanks so much guys for listening. As always, follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast, share us. And thanks again for joining us until next time team. Awesome.